0: Good afternoon and uh, welcome. This is the Rudy Giuliani show, and we're very, very happy you're you're with us today. We've got quite a bit uh, to cover, and we're going to get right to it. And then we're going to get to your calls. And uh, let's begin with this uh, report that was done because it gives you a sense of uh, gives you a sense of how to tackle the problem. I mean, if you don't state a problem correctly. You cannot solve it correctly. And the, the, the more truthful you are about it, the more effective you are in fixing it. This is why the CompStat program that was so effective in our reducing crime worked so well. But the statistics had to be accurate. If, if they gave you the wrong number of crimes in the wrong places – For reasons of political correctness, they didn't want to make it appear as if there wasn't uh, that much uh, crime in the black neighborhood or the white neighborhood or the Italian neighborhood. If they were were playing these race identity politics and lying about things to make things look better, you'd make the wrong decisions and the police would be in the wrong place at the wrong time and you would not have reduced crime. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why Adams has been such a failure in getting crime reduced. He talks a good game. But so far, the results are catastrophic. Crime is higher now by a fair amount than when de Blasio was in office. Now, who ever thought that? So, I mean, this month it's up 35, 38 percent. And subway crime is going through the roof and he's riding the subways telling you it's safe. Adams, you can't do that. You lose trust with the people. You know, I didn't go, when, when, we, when I took over from, from uh, Dinkins and had 2,000 murders a year, a lot bigger problem you got, I didn't go around telling everybody it's real safe in New York. They have lost confidence in me. Or I, after September 11th, I didn't tell them, you know, it's real safe to go down to ground zero and walk around. I mean, what's wrong with you? You talk a good game, and you have produced nothing but increased crime. Uh, I will commend you for the following, and I think this is a very important discussion we have to have. You took on Black Lives Matter in a way that very few people have had the courage to take on. And you took them on, and you basically said, where the hell are you guys and women when uh, most black people are killed? You don't care about most black people. You care about the ones that you can exploit in the left-wing press. Or just a few a year, whereas you know hundreds a month, a, a week are getting killed. And it turns out that since this, this massive increase in crime that we've gotten, which in some ways I guess we trace to uh, the Floyd murder, although I'm not I'm not not I'm not going to tell you I buy into that. That's the way this study was done. I haven't thought about it enough. I haven't researched it enough myself to necessarily buy into the fact that that's the uh, moment from which you should measure it. But if you do measure it from that moment, like a fairly major change occurred. The, the, The amount and the percentage of white people murdered and black people murdered has remained stable, even with crime going up and down and murder for quite some time. But starting in 2020, all of a sudden, more black people are getting murdered than white people traditionally. Well, since since whites are about five, six times more in the population, you'd expect there'd be more white murders. And there always were slightly more, although per capita, there were more black murders. Now, all of a sudden in 2020. It wasn't just per capita On just a straight out basis, more black people were killed and a lot more. 2,898 more black people were killed in 2020 than white people. That's a lot. So the year before uh, the George Floyd thing happened, there was something like um, 7,484 blacks were murdered. George Floyd comes along and now it goes up to 9,941, an increase of 2,500 blacks that were killed. So all of that, uh, defunding the police, Attacking the police, restricting the police on their behavior, having them pull back, letting them sit there and watch crimes. Who did you hurt? You hurt the black community. And by and large, the poor blacks, not the middle class and upper middle class blacks. but By and large, the poor blacks who live in these neighborhoods. And it's always the poor to get hurt anyway when... Uh, That's what used to get me about the mafia. You know what the mafia used to do? They used to prey on poor Italians that were just trying to open a grocery store or whatever. They go, I, I, own, her, I, I own half your grocery store. Well, I, I don't want to pay here. You like your knees? You like your daughter's face organized the way it is? And that's the kind of bullies we're dealing with. That's the, it's a different generation. but it's, it's essentially the same thing. These people prey on the weak among them then who protects them? Who protects them? The one who did the best job of protecting them was me. I only say that to kind of wake everybody up. I know the left wing hates me and, and uh, they accuse me of being a racist. And gosh, I'd like to know how I was a racist and I put all my emphasis on reducing black crime to protect black people because it broke my heart to see that many people being killed And canceled out. It breaks my heart to see what they do to them in the public schools with the damn teachers union. They cancel them out too. And the liberals go along with it. Just don't think liberals really like people. They like statistics. But where it comes down to people, I think that's where things fall apart for them. Because their people solutions are disastrous. Look at—I mean, two thousand eight hundred and ninety-eight more blacks were killed in twenty twenty than the year before. Whoa! All those riots and, and turmoil and anti-police behavior and the the fund of the police and all the members of Congress taking a knee to more black people being killed. By the way, I predicted it. I said that the the victims here are going to be innocent black people. The ones that used to come to me and ask for more police. When Sharpton and everybody else wanted to cut down the number of police, they'd come to me after a town hall meeting and say, Mayor, Mayor, don't listen to them. We need more police. We need more police. And by the way, apropos of what Mayor Adams said, during all of 2020, Black Lives Matter was completely silent on the skyrocketing number of black murders, and many experts and articles now have been written citing Black Lives Matter and defunding the police as the major cause of it. It was a 32 percent increase in black murders in 2020, and then an expert article in Manhattan Institute point of view of a very well-researched article has been done showing the connection between Black Lives Matter, kill the police, uh, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, kill the police, uh, get, get the fathers out of the family. Um, how about that? How can you people support Black Lives Matter? I wish Major League Baseball would apologize for supporting Black Lives Matter. And maybe they didn't know that Black Lives Matter is dedicated to killing police officers and organized by former murderers of police Maybe they didn't know that the three people running it are dedicated, really, truly Marxists who also feel perfectly empowered to steal the money you donate to them. Maybe they didn't know that black lives matter. There's an asterisk uh, over black lives. It's the very, very few black lives they can exploit and get money for. Those are the black lives that matter to them. It's a catchy phrase, black lives matter. And when you say, do black lives matter, the answer to that is yes, of course. Then you don't have to add all lives matter. We know that. But this isn't a slogan. It's an organization. And it's a crooked communist organization whose uh, actions have probably had more to do in the increase of black murders, of black people being murdered than anybody else in the last three or four years. And they get support from corporate America. They get support from the baseball league and the football league and this league and that league. And people are afraid to say this about them because people are afraid of being called racist. Now, you call me a racist. I take a look at who calls me a racist, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it because I know what it is. It's a case of projection. It's people who are really racist. For example, when, when Biden goes around saying that America is systemically racist, I know why he does it, because he is. I've never said the things Biden said. I read somewhere today uh, somebody criticizing Trump saying, oh, I don't know anybody that's with him, he was a well-known racist. Before Trump ran for president, he wasn't a well-known racist, just the opposite. He had very, very strong relationships in the black community. He wasn't, and he wasn't then a racist, he not now a racist. He doesn't have a history of saying the things that Biden has said. He didn't uh, eulogize a a head member of the Ku Klux Klan or say he didn't want his children to go to school in the jungle. Or he didn't say, if you don't vote for me, you're not a black. Hmm? He didn't get all annoyed. There were too many Indian people in his. (laughs) Whoa, I don't know. Well, they've got us headed for another major, major, major disaster. And that's this Article 42 thing. The number of people coming over the border is impossible really to visualize unless you've been to the border. Now, one of the reasons why they make so many mistakes is uh, Biden is never ever in his 2,000 years of government service, which entailed making money, and selling his oath of office, he's never been to the border. Now, that's almost impossible. That's almost impossible given the problems we've had going back to the Mariel boat lift and, uh, and the um, uh, Haitian, uh, Haitian massive um, uh, migration and the humanitarian issues that connected to that in the early 80s. And he, this guy was supposedly involved in, you know, researching and doing work on crime. He never goes and sees the border to see what Mario Boatlift created or, the, or to try to come up with his own ideas on how much of this are good people coming over just working and how, many, how much of it is bad people. You know it's both. And you know you can't rely on, a, on a, an unreliable media for this. You've got to go see it yourself if you're truly interested If being in public office is really about solving the problems of the people. But to Joe Biden, it's never been that. It's about how much money he can make. How important he can be and how he can deal with that chip on his shoulder that he's always been the dumbest guy in class. he He knew everybody thought he was the dumbest guy in the Senate. What they didn't know was he was the crookedest guy in the Senate. And now he's sitting in the White House and he has an added problem. When he turns around, he tries to shake hands with the air. This is ridiculous. Do, do you know how much ridicule there was in the last, whether 24 hours or 48 hours ago? How much ridicule there was in Europe, in particular in England and Fran, uh, Italy and France, about him doing that? I told, I spoke to people in both, and they sent me some cartoons and They said that um, virtually, you know, just accepted now that we have a president that has, they believe he has Alzheimer's. I don't know that he has Alzheimer's. He has some kind of dementia. But they believe that we have a president walking around that should be in the cuckoo house. Isn't that great for America? Boy, they're going to really follow us. Wow. The Democratic Party, what have you done to us? I mean, you, you held back the hard drive so that people never found out what a crookie is. Now you're still leaving out the most important tax. But R- Rudy will get them out again, again, and again. I've, I've gotten them out. Nobody paid attention. But now I'm starting to see people are paying attention. And I'll explain explain that to you when, when we get back because there's one very important breakthrough that we made. We'll be back in a few minutes. Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani show. This is Rudy Giuliani back uh, with you, and uh, we're going to we're we're going to get we're going to move out of New York and we're going to go right across the country and we're going to go to Gascon country because uh, uh, he's just a, a, a disaster a day, letting criminals out, letting people out to commit murder, proud of it. Fired 17 prosecutors. This, you know, he's in his what, second or third year. This is what we can expect from Bragg as he moves along who's doing a disaster here in New York. And we've got to get to the bottom of why did, why did uh, Soros do this to us? Why did Soros go out and spend and no one knows exactly how much because it came from all different organizations. Minimum $30 million Starting in 16, this was not one year. He was very patient because, you know, these elections don't come up all at once. And I'm going to go, I've been started last night. I'm going to do a real analysis of it and find out how many, how much did he spend, when did it start. I have a feeling I know the nexus. I think I know where the idea came from because he did something similar in Eastern Europe that intersected with the investigation I did to defend uh, Donald Trump. Um, and that is, you know, he set up his own special prosecutor and special investigative offices within these governments. And that's a great name, like Special prosecutor, special investigator. Sounds terrific. It sounds terrific. You know, It's but it's doublespeak. It's uh, Orwell doublespeak. Because the minute the special prosecutor got his hands on the corruption cases, all the corruption cases against the Soros companies were killed. Boom, out, none. Then uh, the next thing they did was do cases against Soros' enemies. So really, they were Soros' special vindictive revenge (laughs) prosecutor's office. That's what they really were. What are these guys? These guys are like making uh, defense lawyers prosecutors. You don't even need a defense lawyer. Why are we wasting money on public defenders? Gascon just let a murderer go. And now I see the Orange County District Attorney, which is, I guess, the next county over. It's the one, isn't it the one kind of, uh, isn't it is the one kind of, yeah, it's South. It used to be the heavy Republican county. And uh, he says that it, it's basically influencing many, many other DAs on the left coast to do the same thing. Maybe they're not quite as bad as Gascon, but, you know, it kind of influences them to do, uh, to do uh, something very, 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 very similar. So I don't know. Now, Little Red lionhood's not going to be around forever for us to kick around. So we've got to get out of her what we can get out of her while she's still here. Although I'm sure she's going to give us plenty of moments when she's on. W- which lying network is she on, MSNBC or CNN? I mean, either one. I mean, she doesn't talk without lying. I'm going to save the mask mandate thing for later because I'm going to have a, you have a person on who was there at the great moment of liberation a little later on. I'm going to have Heather Powers on who happened to have been on an airplane last night when we were all liberated from the indignity of having to wear a useless mask. The mask, by the way, has been useless, well known to be useless for over a year. I will tell you that Dr. Ryan told me on day one it was useless. She said, unless you wear the N95 surgical mask, uh, you do not prevent uh, yourself from getting, ingesting or getting stuff in. Uh, And here's another thing that happens to you. Unless you're really careful and you keep changing the damn thing all day, you may very well be reabsorbing things your body is trying to excrete. And for children, it's a disaster because children have runny noses. This, this, this keeping the mask on children is cruelty. I, I, I don't know what to, this mask has become a symbol of elite left-wing status. Or to me, stupidity. A cloth mask doesn't do any good. Follow the science. It does no good. Zero. If you're a kid and you want to play cowboys and bank robbers, well, the bank robbers can wear a mask. Or if you want to be uh, the Lone Ranger, you can wear a mask, okay? But then take it off quickly or you're going to re-ingest the things you're secreting from your nose and you're going to get sick. But let's listen to this. Let's listen to this here about. um, About the border cut three from Little Red Lion Hood. So the president is not worried about holes in the southern border being exploited by people trying to come in and kill Americans.
1: He's grateful to the Border Patrol for doing their job and and stopping these people and preventing them from getting into the country.
0: What? Uh, first of all, uh, the, the, the most conservative estimate of the number of people who get in that we never get to see is 50 percent. So if two million come in, one million come in, and the president is happy that the Border Patrol, what, doesn't see them? We'll be back after the break, and we'll have our special guest on about what happened on the airplane when we were finally liberated. The Rudy Giuliani Show. This is Rudy Giuliani back uh, with you. And uh, we're going to get to our calls in just a moment, but I want to play something. That really, really brought back memories. This is the United States attorney, the job I used to have, Damian Williams, referring to um, the bribe that was taken by Hochul's lieutenant governor candidate. I mean, Hochul's off to a hell of a start, right? She picks a guy alleged to be a bribe taker as a lieutenant governor, and she's pushing through a $4 billion deal where her husband's going to make a fortune. Right. She fits right in. Right. She fits right in the Albany sleeves. So let's listen. Let's listen to the United States attorney describe uh, really very eloquently and quite accurately what a bribe is. Taxpayer money for campaign contributions. Quid pro quo. This for that. That's bribery, plain and simple. Now, I want you to hear this. You may have heard it before. It's number ten. Uh we uh, number nine? I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, You're not getting the billion. I'm gonna be leaving here, and I think it was about six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> you got fired. That's a quid pro quo. Uh, That's the offer of something of value in exchange for official action. That's a direct quote, by the way, from the federal statute that I just gave you. What's the thing of value? The $1 billion uh, loan, which was critical to the uh, ability of uh, Ukraine not to go bankrupt because Ukraine was left with no money when the Russian-oriented crooks were thrown out. And what was the quo for the quid? No, he got had to get rid of the prosecutor. The prosecutor that they all claimed was um, uh, corrupt. Where there's no charges of corruption filed against him. There's no charges of corruption even suggested in his file. That's pretty unusual in Ukraine, by the way. Everybody around him would tell you he wasn't corrupt. And I'm going to tell you the best evidence that he wasn't corrupt. Go, go to my podcast number five at com, and take a look at him and listen to him and tell me if this is some kind of rich oligarch. This guy drives around in a normal, simple 10-year-old car. He's got a two or three bedroom house that is not the house of a crooked Ukrainian public official. The charges of Corruption didn't start until three months after the deal when they had to cover it up. And the reason the guy made it public was because he was angry that he was falsely charged with corruption. And has actually sued Biden in Ukraine and is begged to come to the United States to have a trial against Biden where he wants to testify and show all his evidence. Because he says from the file that he has, he can prove that Biden bribe Poroshenko, but the bribe wasn't about Hunter Biden alone. It was a bigger bribe than that. It was to get Zloshevsky, the crooked oligarch, to get his company out from under the arrest warrant that Shogun had issued on February 1, 2016. Because that company is a $25 billion company. And Zlochevsky was afraid that the Ukrainian government was going to take it away from him because he had created it illegally. They should have taken it away from him. But instead, Biden organized a bribe. He got shoken out. His designated prosecutor came in. You even have a text from him approving of the prosecutor. When does the vice president of the United States ever approve of a prosecutor in another country? If it isn't a quid pro quo. And then the result that he wants happens. The case is dismissed. No trial. Pursuing this case for three years, they never have a trial. They've got a file with evidence in it that would stun you. Videotapes. Bank records. Money going to the Bidens. Money going to Joe. I don't know. Doesn't this kind of... Corruption at that level of the government and the way in which it was covered up by the press, doesn't it just anger you and disappoint you? And so let's now go to Heather Powers. Heather was one of the lucky ones who was present for the moment of liberation. Tell us where you were last night, Heather.
1: (laughs) I was at 30,000 feet last night and uh thanks to the internet i had seen about an hour had elapsed and a lot of in-flight videos were flooding twitter and so i knew our big moment was coming and i had my phone ready and i waited and waited for the pilot i took masks off my kids i said no one's going to say anything don't you worry we're going to be ahead of this and i started recording and <laughs> i i I thought I did a pretty good job when the pilot started speaking. But then, of course, my angsty 16 year old starts nudging me and saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) You're embarrassing me. Stop recording. (laughs) So, you know, and that's scarier than any CDC, SAA, right, 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 ever. But I also want to say, you know, I wish I wish you could have been on the plane with me. Uh, As well as your wonderful son, gubernatorial candidate, Andrew, because I spent a lot of time with you guys and you're never, ever afraid. You've been such a a common sense voice when it came to COVID and you've never been afraid of criticism and uh, hatred when it came to people calling anyone who didn't think a mask mandate was smart, irresponsible. So I I feel like we all share this moment. Yeah, it is. It's a
0: big moment. It is.
1: And your, and your listeners as well. I mean, everybody has a story where they had to stand up to this nonsense.
0: Well, you're going to hear more from Heather. It's really Heather Powers McBride, but I call her Heather Powers because her father was my best friend. And he was my deputy mayor and my companion since I was a baby, Peter Powers. Ooh. So I like to call her Heather Powers. And she's my goddaughter, too. And she's yes. enormously talented. Thank you, Heather.
1: Oh, thank you, Rudy. God bless. We'll luck. be
0: talking again. Okay. All right. Bye bye. She also worked for Fox at one time before she decided to be a stay-at-home mom, and she is now running Andrew's, uh, um, you know, public relations as a candidate, which um, are going going well. It looks like he's going to qualify. I mean, I don't know if I should talk about this. This is news, but it involves my son. I probably should get somebody else to talk about it. But you should really know and pay attention to the fact that the regulars, uh, Republican organization, I was warned that the Republican organization in Zeldin would try to cheat with regard to the petitions. So I called them and, and told them that they better not cheat. Otherwise, they're going to make a big deal out of it. I mean, this is beyond my son now. I don't want a political party here in New York that's no different than Cuomo's. Zeldin has said that Cuomo would have made a great president. So that shows some kind of wacky judgment there. Uh, But they challenged Andrew's petitions, and they said that 3,000 signatures had to be taken away from him because the witness for the signatures was not a Republican. There's a guy with an Italian name that they misspelled. In fact, they misspelled a lot of the Italian names. I think maybe we can have like an Italian civil rights march or something. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But it turns out that the guy who they challenged is a citizen. I mean, is, is, is a voter. Uh, we have his card. We got the day he registered as a Republican. He is a Republican voter. So that statement 2,000, 3,000 times that he's not a registered Republican is a, quote, false statement, close quote. So this, uh, this, these papers are like a massive fraud. And this is all done. They're going to, they're they're challenging all these names for uh, reasons of voter integrity. Now that is pure Democrat garbage. That's double talk, double speak. It isn't voter integrity. It's let's try to find some kind of technicality to get the guy off the ballot because we're afraid to run against him. That's what it is. If he wasn't afraid to run against him, he'd just say, okay, we don't challenge you. He didn't. They didn't challenge this other guy, Wilson, because they're not afraid to run against him. He, got, he has about 4%. Andrew's ahead of him. But this isn't the way to run a party. We're not going to grow like this. We're not going to be any different than the Democrats. This is what they do. They cheat. And this is really stupid cheating because they didn't think we would check to see if the guy was a Republican or they think we were stupid enough to use a non-Republican when unlike them, we're smart. I mean, I, I can't stand liars. The only thing I, I, I dislike more than liars are stupid liars. People who tell lies that it takes two minutes to prove, I, at least I could be challenged. Even when I was a prosecutor, at least challenge me to show that you're lying. Don't lie. And then, like uh, that guy Cohen, who said he was never offered a job by Trump, and then the next thing you can put up on the screen is the day after the election, he told, he told uh, uh, Cuomo that he had been offered the job of, that asked for him was offered the job of chief of staff to Trump. I, was, I never asked for a job. I was never offered a job under oath. And then the interview with Cuomo the day after that he asked for him was given a job. Hey, if you're going to commit perjury, numbskull, pick something else huh? that can't be proven that way. Or if you're going to try to dishonestly get Andrew Giuliani off the ballot, first of all, spell his name right. They sp- spelled it Giuliani. I wonder if that's, you know, they pick on all of these small little things like not diving an eye or crossing a T. I wonder if that means a disqualification. You should see how they screwed up the Italian names. They screwed up uh, Astorino's name. And then in Astorino's petition, they keep referring to Giuliani, which means they had one little like they had one little uh, uh form, and they just forgot to take they used Andrew's forms to then challenge Astorino, and they didn't bother to take his, his his name off. I don't know who they think they're dealing with. they probably think they're dealing with some kind of amateur that doesn't know how to investigate, but three thousand times. You say the guy is not a Republican, which is a false statement, a misleading statement, a material misleading statement. Hey, Zeldin, aren't you responsible for this? I know you said you didn't know anybody involved in it, but but the guy running it for you, one of the guys running it for you was, I think, your law school classmate. Two of them are convicted felons. You want to do voter integrity, I suggest not using convicted felons. What do you think? And I think you're giving people the indication that there was a reason that you thought Cuomo would be a good governor. Hmm? We're going to use uh, felons what to make sure there's integrity in state government? Now, they didn't do a good job for on these petitions here, pal. They cheated, but they cheated in such a stupid way that sounds to me like you should be paying damages for this. I mean, you wasted everybody's time. You made a mockery of this petition process. And you proved that you're kind of an Albany politician, you're a guy who makes deals with Cuomo when Cuomo's around, and a guy who makes deals here, makes deals there. You know, this didn't have to happen. All you had to do was say, I'm not afraid to run against any of them. I'd have respected you the way I respect Astorino and Wilson. But you, you you had to you had to try to get the the nomination by yourself in the back room. What you give away for that? Uh, you call it voter integrity. Come on, that's double speak. You're just trying to find little excuses for getting people off the ballot, and then you just don't do that. You lie, and you got people who have actually spent time in prison for felonies doing your voter integrity, and you expect us to think. you're going to be any better than the Democrats? Uh, What the heck are you doing being a Republican anyway, if you act like that? Wow. Very, very disappointing about my own party. But I've never had a problem criticizing my own party. I'm not like the Democrats, you know, like when AOC and all those other people say these terribly anti-Semitic things. Schumer goes, I think Schumer goes to hide in Biden's basement. You never hear from him defending his own people. I do. I defend his own people because they're my people too. Well, I don't know. How about we take one call right now from Susan in Brooklyn. Mayor Giuliani,
1: you absolutely have to continue speaking about this. I was involved back in the day when the state party tried to keep John McCain off the ballot. And do you know that I remember. In
0: fact, in fact, I got, uh, I almost got thrown, thrown, thrown out of the Bush campaign because I wouldn't go along with it. You know that?
1: Well, I, I was active with Guy Molinari getting signatures for John McCain. And um, that was a very nasty situation. The state party ended up paying quite a, a hefty fee in a lawsuit that John McCain won. And I just warned, and I believe we should absolutely have the voters decide, not the uh, party bosses in the back room. And well, I am I've very got, to, angry I got to take,
0: I got to take a hard break. But when I come back with my final words, I'm going to tell you a very relevant story about that. Okay. Because I remember it like it was yesterday. We'll be back in a few minutes. The Rudy Giuliani Show.
1: He's your numero uno.
0: And now it's time for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, Mayor's Final Thoughts. That is correct. It's time for uh, my final thoughts brought to you by Tunnel to Towers. And I am asking you to please make your donation of $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers so that you uh, can have uh, the good feeling of helping some of our best and greatest heroes in our society, the people who give their lives to protect us. And this money is used to pay off the mortgages on the homes of the people left behind and help them with other things. And also it is used to build smart homes for uh, those who defend us, who lose the ability to use their their limbs. And they build these remarkable homes that give uh, these men and women who are our heroes uh, complete, or not complete, but as much independence as they humanly and possibly can have. And as time goes on, they become better and better at it. So this isn't, this is a duty. Don't you think this is a duty you have to do? I do. So let me tell you what that lady reminded me of. Uh, during that election in 1999, I had to make a very, make a very difficult choice. I was very good friend and, and Continue to be. I mean, he's passed on now, but he's still my friend, John McCain. And uh, I, I didn't really know uh, Governor Bush in uh, Texas, but I knew Governor Bush in Florida really well. I had campaigned for him. He had campaigned for me. We had raised money for each other. And I knew his dad very well. And his dad had saved me once when the I brought a civil RICO case against the Teamsters Union, asked that the board be removed. They were removed immediately. And without any regard to politics, I did it in 1988, the year of the election, and the Teamsters Union immediately switched from being a Republican union to being a Democrat union and pulled their endorsement of the Republican candidate. So all the candidates like, you know, the ones we're talking about now, like Zeldin and people like that, all of them uh, condemned me for doing this. They didn't bother to ask whether it was a good case, a bad case. And a uh, hundred and something members of Congress wrote a letter to Ronald Reagan. I don't know if they wanted me fired or disciplined or shot, something like that. And um, I was feeling a little funny. You know, my reaction to that, though, is go screw yourself. And, uh, and I knew Ronald Reagan wouldn't fire me. I had worked for him personally, and I knew he trusted me, and I had won two very big cases for him, one involving Nazis and the other involving the deployment of the cruise missiles. And I knew Ronald Reagan was a man of complete integrity. And, and like everyone else, he knew the history of, the, of everybody in Hollywood knew the history of the Teamsters. One person stood up for me. The guy who, guy who was going to lose the most from. The, the, the guy who was going to be the candidate of the Republican Party and was without the Teamsters for the first time in 30 years. And that was Vice President Bush. And he uh, held a little press conference. And he said, I know Rudy Giuliani. I worked with him uh, when, he was, when he was here in Washington. He did great work on violent crime and great work on, on drugs. And he's a thoroughly honest man. Wow. From then on, you know, he could do anything he wanted. He came and raised a million dollars for me when I ran for mayor and had nothing. I was being outspent. $17 to one. <laughs> we won, though, the primary. So he called me and he asked me if I would meet with his son and at least give his son consideration for the nomination. He said, I know you're a good friend of John's, but I think my son has certain advantages. And then he, I won't go through them, but he explained the advantages, quite fair. He didn't tell me to endorse his son. He didn't say, I'll feel very bad if you don't. He didn't, he did it with ultimate class. The way, if I do it for Andrew, I hope I'm as good at it. (laughs) I met with, uh, the, with the governor twice. I went down to Austin once. I met with him somewhere else. I stayed over, got to know him, got to know the family, got a very different picture of him than the unfair picture that was being painted in the press. And there were very substantial reasons why I thought he'd be a better president. And I called my friend John and I explained it to him. And John got very angry at me, very angry at me and uh, personal. I felt bad that he did, but I felt like I was making the right decisions for the country. All of a sudden, we get to the New York primary. And they start in with this cheap trying to keep him off the ballot. Uh, And I was involved in the campaign, but so were uh, the people for George Pataki. Not George himself, but the people around George always hated me. So uh, I think they wanted to set me up. So I was opposed to doing all this. Mickey Mouse stuff, trying to keep him off the ballot. First of all, I thought Bush would beat him in New York.
1: But in any event,
0: I thought, there's going to be worse for you in terms of looking like you're afraid to run against him, just the way I feel now. And then they wanted me to do an ad to say that John McCain was holding money back for people with cancer. And I said, it can't be. John has cancer. Well, it was a bill that was like a billion-dollar bill with $27,000 for a stupid cancer program. I bothered to read the bill, and I told them to go to hell, and they leaked it to the papers. And the Bush campaign basically threw me out for a while. And my friend John called me that night when he saw it in the New York Post, and he said, Rudy, I was wrong. You really are doing this out of integrity. Probably the nicest call I ever got. Not the nicest, one of the nicest calls I ever got. Ah, uh, that makes it worth it. Well, God bless America. And let's get good people back into politics. Good people, not people who give you a bull, you know what. Just get up tomorrow morning and say, thank God I was in America.